Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, I have great news for you. Our partners at Bet Online continue to get it done as the number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college hoops, UFC, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. All you have to do is head on over to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to join and receive 50% off your welcome bonus with your first deposit. All you have to do is use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. Betonline.ag, get there. It's truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Betonline.ag where the game starts. Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it. Pizza, wings, wraps, or a fresh salad. Plus, something to wash it down. Then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials. Now you can get your Burn Dairy and Deli favorites delivered with DoorDash. All day, every day, you can count on Burn Dairy and Deli. It's all good. Here at the ML Sports Platter, we pride on talking about a little bit of everything in the sports world. And I got to tell you, folks, there may be off-seasons for your favorite leagues and teams, and uh, there's really no (laughs) off-season here. Because why? Coaching changes, free agent signings, draft picks, and more. It means there's always stories to tell. And boy, did I learn so much about sports reporting and storytelling during my time. At St. Bonaventure University, including how to find the most interesting stories, as SBU has that long-standing reputation for training future journalists, including myself, Adrian Wojnarowski, Donna DeToto, Mike Vaccaro, and more. This reputation continues with its online Master of Arts in Sports Journalism. This entirely online degree option builds podcasting and interviewing and research skills really needed in a changing media landscape. Students learn how to follow high professional standards as they tell nuanced stories about the sports we love. You don't need to have any writing or broadcasting experience to start this program. Just a passion for the profession. SBU doesn't require an application fee or GRE or GMAT score. Makes it easier to apply for you. Students, they complete this program in less than two years, folks, while learning important lessons in sports journalism from experienced faculty and accomplished alumni. Contact an enrollment advisor today at sbujournalism.com. That's sbujournalism.com to learn more about St. Bonaventure's sports journalism program. That's sbujournalism.com. Hey, this is Linda Cohn from ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. We are brought to you by Burn Dairy, Welch & Company Jewelers, Elevate Fitness of Syracuse, and Liverpool Physical Therapy. Make sure you get on over to the uh, Liverpool Physical Therapy location, Old Liverpool Road. If you are in and around Central New York, they've got your post-op work that can be done back, knees, right, ankles, whatever it might be, uh, shoulders. Uh, definitely uh, get on over there and see Pete and his team. They're doing a great job at Liverpool Physical Therapy. And a quick tip of the cap, thank you as well, to Jam and Beats, Bowers and Company, CPAs, and Chick-fil-A of Cicero and Clay. This episode, it's a what's next episode for two franchises. I'm going to give you the Jaguars right now. And then uh, in a few minutes, you're going to hear my crossover episode from the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, the Pandemonium Podcast on what's next for the Bills and the complete and utter disaster uh, that was 
for the Bills uh, in the divisional playoff against the Bengals. I recap that game, and then I really, really get into what's next as far as free agents with Edmonds and Poyer and Singletary and a lot of the holes that they have in the exposed nature of the Bills. Once they get to a certain point in the playoffs, they're not even close to the Bengals and Chiefs, and you have to be concerned if you're a Bills fan. Maybe that Super Bowl window closed maybe halfway in Orchard Park on, uh, on Sunday in that divisional playoff game against a much, much better team in the Cincinnati Bengals. As far as the Jaguars are concerned, real quick, I mean, look, they've got foundation pieces. Uh, you know, I'm watching the Jaguars this year. I'm watching Travis Etienne. I'm watching the 49ers beat the Cowboys. I'm watching Christian McCaffrey. And I'm kind of going, yeah, Etienne got injured. McCaffrey, all he's been is injured. I can see why you would stay away from him. But, man, they both are really, really healthy this year. And, you know, you get caught in the prisoner in the moment in the NFL – they still have to have sustainability, right? They still have to stay healthy. Uh, but, man, I mean, you think about what it would have been like to have ATN or McCaffrey this year if you're the Bills with that offense. And, and the Bills looked at ATN. They certainly looked at McCaffrey, but the price was too high. Uh, so much draft capital. It's cost $16 million a year. Um, you know, risk-reward, too great, too great on the risk side. Um, but Jacksonville's certainly reaping the benefits of one Travis ATN. And, and right now, the Jaguars have some cornerstone players. They have a Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. They've got Travis Etienne at running back. They have a clear-cut number one. I don't think he's an elite wide receiver, but I think he's a clear-cut number one for this team in terms of Christian Kirk. you got a foundation there going, him, Zay Jones. They had a really, really, really nice year this year. Uh, the offense got really, really uh, a lot better. You know, Evan Ingram caught a lot of balls, um, you know, down the stretch as well. I th- think the offensive line is, is good. I think it could get really a lot better. Um, I think if you're having to go, uh, you know, in the draft for the Jaguars, I think you want to kind of find some help on the O-line. Uh, defensively, this is a team that is in pretty solid shape. They have some guys who can just really chase you around and make life uh, uncomfortable. Uh, led by one Josh Allen at defensive end, they've got Trayvon Walker, the star out of Georgia up front. Um, you know, he's kind of like that hybrid linebacker, Edge, Von Miller, Khalil Mack kind of mix, but uh, can really get after it um, for you. You can, you can also move him around, you know, inside, outside, etc. Uh, I love the secondary on this team. I really do. I don't think they need a ton of help there. Led by my guy, Andre Sisco from Syracuse. Um, you know, a lot of these guys have come on, man. They really have. Uh, it's safety. Um, I really like this group. I actually like the corner group pretty good too. I mean, Shaquille Griffin, uh, you got Herndon, you got Junior, you got Darius Williams. This team, this team's a physical, really good defense. And I think they're pretty good uh, on that side of the ball. I think they could maybe use one more linebacker, maybe a little bit more uh, uh, defensive tackle uh, in terms of the depth there. Uh, secondary wise though, you, you might be all set. You really might, might be all set with your corners and safeties. You might be. Um, you know, and then I think offensively, they got to keep just keep getting those weapons for, for Trevor Lawrence, keep adding, keep, keep going. And you've got Doug Peterson there. You've got the head coach has the relationship with Trevor Lawrence. Um, this Jaguars team, man, the future is very, very bright. ML sports platter brought to you by burn dairy coming up next Buffalo bills. What's next for them on a crossover episode of the pandemonium podcast on the built in Buffalo podcast network. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network.
Here we are, Bills Mafia, the end of the season. I'm Mike Lindsley, the host of the Pandemonium podcast here on the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network. This is going to be straight up a recap of the Bengals game. Uh, you know, kind of what went wrong, what's next for this team uh, emotionally, you know, how are we feeling? Um, you know, I, I just, I guess the one thing that I will start with on this show and of course, be sure to follow us and you know download, subscribe, rate, review, do all those cool things. Uh, you know, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook—we're all over the place. Seven days of content covering your Buffalo Bills, and of course, at builtinbuffalonews.com. But I think the first place I'm going to start is I didn't expect the Bills to just come out and flop. I did not expect an egg to be laid. I thought that if they were going to lose, it was going to be a war of attrition. Two really good teams or a great team, maybe even in, in Cincinnati, because I don't think the Bills are a great team. I don't think they're an elite team. I don't think they're in the class of the Bengals and the Chiefs. Uh, I don't think they're in the class of the 49ers and the Eagles. The elite of the elite in the sport make it to the conference championship games. That's the ultimate separator. The final four is the elite. Then you've got maybe a great here and there. You've got very good underneath that. You've got good underneath that. And then the rest of the league follows like dominoes with whatever position you're in as a franchise, Right. I expected the Bills to go out and get after it. Hamlin was at the stadium. You know, you have an AFC championship berth on a neutral field, um, you know, at stake. Patrick Mahomes has already hobbled, as you know. So many more things, again, were in line for the Bills, and they went out and laid an egg. And I got to tell you, I mean, in a weird way, when the Bengals were just marching down the field, there was a part of me that said, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is just completely and utterly not possible to come back from, right? It's just not possible. How are they going to do this? How are they going to come back, right? Because the Bills, they couldn't stop the Bengals at all. Um, you know, and I think that when you look at the defense, you, you have to be really, really, really concerned because not only is the team regressing you know, overall, considering what their goals were this year and previous years. But the defense that's led by Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott, you know, this defense just maybe isn't working anymore. And, you know, it's nice when you have Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde healthy. It would have been nice if you had had Von Miller in there. It would have been nice if even without Von Miller that, I don't know, any number of their first and second round draft picks from the last few years would have shown up. You know, Boogie Basham, nowhere to be found. Russo, nothing. Epineza, nothing. Oliver, terrible game. You know, I mean, where were these guys? They stepped up against Miami, but you know what? They couldn't step up against the Cincinnati line that was down three linemen and a fourth got injured in the game. They could not step up. And are they young? Is it still kind of a waiting game? Maybe, but it's a major concern. And you need that pass rush. And you need your linebackers to be elite most of the time, which Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds this year have been. Edmonds had a ton of tackles in this game, but mostly those were obviously down the field. But you need that because the system you play is this stupid two-man high zone. I almost call it an open zone where there's just guys open everywhere. And they didn't adjust to that defense. Uh, they didn't adjust to any offenses, I should say, last year certainly uh, in big spots. And then, as we know, the 13 seconds, you know, they, they basically played a prevent defense. Casey had two timeouts. I have no idea what Frazier was thinking. I have no idea what McDermott was thinking. 
if Frazier was thinking something that was opposite and correct or, you know, or wrong of what McDermott should have won. I mean, I, it was a total clown show as we know, but you know, if Frazier had an idea of a prevent defense in that spot and playing the, you know, the corners to the boundaries, you know, McDermott should have been, you know, had the wherewithal, like as a defensive guy to be like, uh, dude, no, we're not doing prevent. They have Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, and two timeouts, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Eric Bieniemy. There's no way we're giving them cushions because anything can happen. And sure enough, it did, right? But those gaps, those open areas for both Kelsey and Hill, it was the same thing for the Bengals. Right out of the shoot, guys are open everywhere because the Bills are trying to take away the big play. And the problem with that, of course, is that while you might be taking away the 40 or 50 yarder, maybe taking that away, you're giving guys who are really good players, skilled players, you know, led by Jamar Chase, I think the best wide receiver room in football, you're giving them, oh, I don't know, five to seven to eight yards, right, at a time. I mean, that's just a catch turn and two feet of quickness. You're almost at the marker. So the Bills, they they play this defense, and I'm just not sure it's sustainable anymore, and I'm not sure that, you know, you don't need a, a philosophical change here, seriously. Because they played, you know what, when they were interchangeable, when they were doing a little bit of man and, and, and kind of messing with the defense, the Bills played better defense against the Bengals when they did that, when they adjusted, when they kind of tried to fill gaps and all the rest. And in this game, you know, this game was basically, uh, obviously, dire straits. Um, you know, the Bills were down immediately. They win the toss, they kick it, right? They defer. Bengals are like, yeah, thank you. We'll take the ball. Yeah, six plays, 79 yards, 329. The Bengals literally just carved up the Bills every possible way. You know, short pass to Chase. Joe Mixon, uh, you know, uh, for five yards. Burrow pass led to Boyd. Uh, you know, Mixon right tackle for 10. Just complete open holes. Joe Burrow to Hayden Hurst, who killed him in spots, right? Then the Bills punt. Then the Bengals get it back. 10 plays, 72 yards, 615. By that point, you're like, wow, they've already chopped off all this time and the Bills can't stop them. This next drive, the Bills need points. Well, they punted. They went three and out. Their first two play, their first two uh, drives um, were, were three and out. Pathetic. And then the Bengals and the Bills kind of go back and forth a little bit here. Well, the, well, actually, I should say the Bengals had, uh, I was thinking they went back and forth a couple times before the Bills scored. But the, the Bengals uh, got the, the ball six plays, 14 yards, couldn't muster anything, 205 time, 14 nothing still. Then the Bills finally put it together with a drive, 15 plays, 75 yards, and 741. Uh, field goal then for the Bengals. It's halftime, 17 7, obviously, after another Bills punt. Uh, and then end of the second quarter, and you're kind of going, okay, here we go. Let's get back in it. Make your adjustments defensively, and you need to score a touchdown on the first drive. You got to take it down, you have to. Because that's the only way you're going to get back in it. Well, what do the Bills do here? They go 14 plays over 65 yards. Right? Or I should say 65 yards over 14 plays. It took them 7 minutes and 15 seconds. 7 minutes and 18 seconds. To get a field goal. A field goal. That's all they mustered up in burning nearly half of the quarter. A field goal. Then the Bengals take it right down. And that, to me, was the, the 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 signal. That was the turning point to make me feel this game is not happening. 
all the way in that it's not happening. Because before it was, well, maybe they can get into it. You know, they let teams down all the time. They're an adjustment team. They get the ball back second half. Frazier's defense of it. Nope. Once they only got three, and they could have been within three if they had scored a touchdown, then the Bengals marched down. I knew that it was over. Right at that moment, that big, long drive for Cincinnati, because let's be honest, the entire quarter was just about burned on one drive for the Bills and one drive for the Bengals. The Bills get it back and punt. The Bengals then get it back and get a field goal. The Bills get it back and turn it over on downs. The Bengals get it back and they end up punting. The Buffalo Bills are in scramble mode by this point. It's getting late in the game. They're throwing it uh, and, and taking chances. Allen throws the pick. Interception, end of game. Bengals win it 27-10. to 10. And this was a game that was a complete and utter domination, period, end of discussion. There is no other way to say it. The Bengals came out. They outcoached the Bills. They outplayed the Bills. They uh, had just an unbelievable uh, uh, moxie to them and and an attitude and swagger going in there. They don't care where they play. They don't care about the weather. They don't care about what people are saying on the outside. They don't care about lines. Joe Burrow was asked during the week, how long is your Super Bowl window open? He said, as long as I'm playing. Um, You know, they have said that they're beasts of the East. I mean, all those things. And here's the difference. The difference is the Bengals back it up. The Bengals have backed it up. The Chiefs have backed it up. The Bills have not. The Bills have had hype, expectations, right? They had great drafts the last couple of years. We know that the foundation is there from a, you know, an ownership general manager and head coach and quarterback standpoint. Well, I don't even know head coach. I wouldn't put in there right now, but um, you know, so we thought right with all of them, as far as a major, major foundation, McDermott has done some great things, great things for the bills. He's broken the drought. He's built a team concept. He's built the culture and changed everything. Him and Bean have flushed out bad, bad people. Um, you know, not bad people, but bad fits uh, and, and a lot of drama queens. And, you know, they've, drafted pretty well and filled this roster with really, really good human beings and, and a lot of really good to great in, in a couple of spots, elite football players. You know, when you go from Josh Allen to Dawson Knox to Gabe Davis, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, um, you know, Trey White, uh, you think about Greg Rousseau, you think about Ed Oliver, you think about Boogie Basham, you think about, you know, all these players, Kyra Elam, right? Um, you know, Taron Johnson, who's just developed in front of our eyes, Uh, And I know that some defensive players I mentioned there, you know, had bad games, but the Bills have drafted well enough and had the GM and had the head coach and had the ownership and had the quarterback, you know, where they keep building, 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 where they have the ability to win 13 games. They have the ability to go through the season and play primetime games and win on primetime. They can go on the road and win in primetime. This is a team that, you know, has firepower on offense, right? They can win the AFC East. They can come back in Baltimore in October, right? They can start the year six and one. Uh, against teams that we think are pretty good. Turns out that most of them weren't. Um, you know, Dolphins certainly, um, you know, and ended up being a playoff team. Uh, Tennessee was terrible. Pittsburgh was was average. Uh, Baltimore was decent. The Rams ended up being terrible. Um, you know, the Chiefs obviously elite, right? But, you know, Packers, you know, turned out not to be um, that good this year. You know, Jets, Vikings, et cetera, those two losses. But the Bills stacked wins. They found a way. They fought adversity. I mean, when you go all the way back to the top shooting, uh, you go to the house fire that killed five youngsters, which was just devastating to hear about. 
Micah Hyde out for the year, Von Miller out for the year, um, DeMar Hamlin, right? Uh, Dane Jackson, you know, got carried off in an ambulance on Monday Night Football in Tennessee. I was there for that game. It looked absolutely horrible. Um, you know, you go down, you know, the snowstorm and the blizzards and all the rest, and, you know, two games in Detroit in five days, quick turnaround, then another one in, in a week, three games in 12 days, uh, you know, John Murphy with a stroke, uh, Kim Pagula's health condition. I mean, it goes on and on. This team has, you know, fought through so many things, and, and they should be applauded uh, for doing that. McDermott should be applauded. Um, you know, DeMar Hamlin won the game of life, as as his doctors and everybody said when he woke up and asked if they had won. Um, you know, that, that that's the most important thing. I mean, that goes way beyond football, obviously, that a human being, um, you know, was saved, and a good one at that. Um, but when you're talking about a football standpoint, all the things I mentioned that the Bills are able to do, you know, they're able to close the year with seven wins. They're able to fight out a bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, they were they were uh, criticized in the beginning of the year that they were only t- a team that could blow people out, right? 31-10, 41-7, and then they win nip and tuck game against Baltimore. They blow out Pittsburgh. They win nip and tuck Kansas City. They win by 10 over Green Bay. And after that Green Bay game where they had a poor second half and Allen started throwing around the yard and, and dangerously so, uh, and the INTs and the turnovers started piling up from that point on, um, you know, not then people said, well, you know, the Bills, the Bills haven't really looked good. You know, they they went from you can't you can't win close games to you know you can't win close and ugly to, uh, well, they're just they don't really look that good right now. You know, even though they were winning a few games close and ugly, and then they ended up winning all the games close and ugly. Cleveland, close enough, you know, Cleveland game in Detroit, close and ugly. Detroit, in Detroit, Thanksgiving. They should have lost that football game, one close, one ugly. Dominated the Patriots in Foxborough, 14-point win, felt like 30, right? Won a close game against the Jets, won a close game, had to come back on the Dolphins, blew out the Bears on the road, and beat the Patriots by 12 uh, in the last game, but needed two special teams touchdowns to do it. Uh, they were a little shaky, you know, in spots, and... The Bills, you know, clearly proved that they're a tough team, that they can fight a lot of adversity. Um, They can win close, they can win dirty, they can win in all elements. But once they get to a certain point in the playoffs, whether it's the AFC title game or the divisional round, and whether it's the Bengals or the Bills, or the Bengals or the Chiefs, excuse me, the Bills all of a sudden go from a really good team to a team that's so far away, so far away from the Bengals and the Chiefs. You look at the way those other teams are built, and this is not a criticism on Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen is one of the best football players in the NFL. But as of this second, I think I would take his playoff numbers for the most part. I I would take what he's given us as a franchise. I would take the roller coaster, and the backyard football because we've seen elite Josh. We've seen what he does, and he's an MVP candidate when he plays that way. Last year in the playoffs was ridiculous, Patriots and the Chiefs. And you know what? I got into a spat on social media with some people where, you know, it was like, oh, well, it it can't win a big game. Well, what's a big game in the NFL? Every game every week is a big game in the NFL. Josh Allen's won tons of those, okay? They go from big to bigger to really, really big and huge. That's what, they just get bigger and bigger and bigger as they go. But it doesn't mean that a game against Kansas City or Baltimore in the regular season in the beginning, the first five, six weeks of the season, divisional games, it's not, those games are are big too. They're big games. 
When you're on primetime, you're getting focused more. It's a standalone game. You're getting watched more. Well, Josh Allen's thrived in primetime games. He's thrived on Thursday night football, Sunday night football. Remember the Thanksgiving game against Dallas? He's played in and won big games and performed in big games. He's had his rough moments. He's thrown interceptions. He's done, you know, some eh things. But he's also been elite and, for the most part, the guy you want in pressure cooker situation. He deserved better than last year's divisional playoff loss in Kansas City. He got them off the field with the lead. He was throwing darts to Davis. He was throwing darts to Diggs. He was absolutely a man-child, right? This is a guy who will do anything to win. And he did that last year. He deserved a better fate. They should have hosted that game in Buffalo, and they had a great chance to win the Super Bowl, and that team was better than this year's team. And now they're regressing. Allen, I think, is an elite quarterback, but I think he's like a top three, four, five-ish type quarterback. I don't. I think he's a shade just under Burrow and Mahomes right now. I do. And I know that there's some Bills fans out there who disagree with me. That's okay. That's okay. But I think he's a shade below. And that leads me into the domino effect of a shade below. Right? Because when they get to the Cincinnati point or the KC point, the divisional playoff point, the AFC championship point, the Bills are a shade below in so many areas. The Bills lack the pass rush. And this is in no particular order. They lack the pass rush. Cincinnati was all over the Bills. Cincinnati dominated the line of scrimmage on both ends. Hubbard and Hendrickson are unstoppable. Now, I know you can say, well, if Von Miller was in there, that's one defensive end you could count. Okay, great. He wasn't in there. Who else you got? Next man up league. What do you got? Because in other spots, we saw Russo, Epinesa, and many others step up when needed. We've seen it. But they couldn't do it against the Bengals with a makeshift band-aid line with three guys down and a fourth getting injured in the first half. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Bills offensive line, dominated. Bengals offensive line, dominated the Bills defensive line. So the Bills were a shade below at the line of scrimmage on both ends. Running back, Bills can't run the ball. Bills cannot run it with any kind of success. Devin Singletary, James Cook, doesn't matter who. How come Naheem Hines didn't get more touches this year? Why did you get him? To run back two kicks against the Patriots and that's it? You know, you got a slot position that's been a week all year. Your running game's been weak all year, and you give Naheem Hines barely no touches? Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Couldn't you try him a little bit more? I mean, did it did it not work in practice so you could use it in a game? I mean, what? where was Naheem Hines? Where? Where was he? I have no idea. I have no idea where Naheem Hines was. None. None whatsoever. All year since they got him. Receiver-wise... You get up to the Bengals or the Chiefs, receiver slash tight end wise, I should say. I think tight end should be included in that group. Basically, your offensive weapons. The Bills are miles from the Bengals. Miles. Jamar Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Hayden Hurst, miles. Dawson Knox, is he better than Hayden Hurst? I don't know. Right now, they look like about the same, right? Dawson Knox... Still had those drop tra- problems this year. And I know, oh, and I left I left him out in the Bills fighting adversity where he lost his brother. One more thing they had to fight through. But as far as the football part goes, how much better is he than Hayden Hurst? We know he ain't tra- Travis Kelsey. And we know that in the past it's been Travis Kelsey and Hill and some others. This year the, the Chiefs are in the AFC title game without the biggest game breaker in the NFL in Tyreek Hill. That's coaching, teamwork, Mahomes, scheme, play calling. Bills are behind in that world too, right? The Chiefs, 
They don't have Tyreek Hill, but they got Valdez Scantling, Juju. They've got Sky Moore. They have Travis Kelsey. This kid Pacheco had a great year. They can run the football. The Bills can't. All those different areas, right? Allen's a little bit below Mahomes and Burrow. The coaching. Oh, my goodness. The coaching. The coaching for the Cincinnati Bengals is so superior to the Bills, it isn't even funny, okay? It's just not even funny. Lou Lou Anarumo dominated as a defensive coordinator for the Bengals. He snuffed out every single possible thing that you could imagine. He held the Bills to 10 points. The Bills were scoring 30 a game. The Bills were confused. The Bills couldn't run the ball. The Bills couldn't get open. The Bills, when they did, dropped the football. The Bills lost a physicality battle in every way, shape, and form on both sides of the ball. They really did. And you know what? The Bengals' defense is not that great in the secondary. It's just not. You know, if you could get open and get the ball out the same way the Bengals were, the Bills should have been able to feast on the corners. Those corners are not good, led by Eli Apple. They're not good. They're just not good corners. The Bengals get away with it because they have a great pass rush and they have linebackers who make up for a lot of ground in the middle of the field right before the ball gets to the secondary. And Ken Dorsey called a terrible game. You know, the fact of the matter is the NFL has got to change this rule where you're allowed to interview for jobs when you're still in the playoffs. It's just absolutely ridiculous, man. you got a job at hand, do your job, and then move on and interview. And really, how much better is a team going to get if they get a, if they get a freaking coordinator for a head coach like three weeks early or a month early? How much better are you going to be? Oh, you had two months to give your take on the NFL draft, which you probably won't have a say in anyway as a coordinator. I mean, you're going to have a little bit of a say, but not all the say. I mean, that's general manager, head coach kind of thing, scouting people. Like, you'll have some say, but... You'll get you can get overridden in a heartbeat in those meetings in the in the war room, you know, leading up to the war room in football terms, of course. So this game, I just I didn't expect the Bills to just come out and just lay an egg and it just not be competitive. And that is very concerning. Matt Milano in the post game, you know, we lacked energy. Maybe Milano was talking about the whole team. It didn't look like he lacked energy. He had that blitz sack of Burrow, the only one of the game for the Bills defense. He had 10 total tackles, seven were solo. He batted the ball out of Chase's hand to eliminate a touchdown. And Milano was pretty much all over the field. So it didn't look like he lacked energy, but he said that the team did. Concerning? Yeah, you bet. How do you not have energy for this game? It's a divisional playoff game at home. And can we please stop with this whole, like, McDermott with the postseason home record and all this stuff, and the Bills hadn't lost since this point. Enough. Bengals didn't care about that either. You know, Bill's home field advantage and all oh, the snow's coming and da-da-da. Great. Why do people think that other teams can't play in those elements? Miami came up to Buffalo and should have beaten them. Southern Florida football team. So anybody can come in there and win because the Bills aren't elite. They aren't elite. Home court advantage, home field advantage, it's also as good as your team is. And your team is not as good as Cincinnati. They could play this game in Buffalo, Cincinnati, on the moon. The Bills don't win this game. And now what in the offseason, right? You got a lot of people who you don't know if they're going to be back or not. Devin Singletary, Tremaine Edmonds, Jordan Poyer, all free agents. 
you know, should the Bills maybe have not paid Dawson Knox and waited this thing out and then given it to Tremaine Edmonds and then gone from there? I don't know. Uh, right now, Dawson Knox isn't a big, big enough difference maker. Um, I like him. I think he's a good guy. I don't think he's a big enough difference maker uh, for the Bills to be paid what he was paid at this particular moment. I think Tremaine Edmonds is. I think Jordan Poyer could be if he stays healthy this time around, but Jordan Poyer is going into his 32-year uh, age 32 year of life, right? And, 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 and in a football standpoint, it's safety. You take all those hits and he obviously went out of the game when he, you know, went head to head with Trey White. The reality for me is you got to look long and hard at Jordan Poyer and the bills have so many holes on this roster. They were exposed again against Cincinnati. I mean, you can start with the offensive line, the, the bills offensive line regressed this year. There's no other way to say it. Deion Dawkins even took a step back. Roger Saffold was signed. It was terrible was supposed to be a bookend left guard on the O-line. He was horrible. Um, Spencer Brown took a major step back. It was an up-and-down year for Ryan Bates. Mitch Morris was great when he was in there, but he also got hurt hurt off and on with a concussion problem lingering again. The Bills' lack of depth really showed again, right? Ike Bucker and Greg Van Roten and all these guys. David Questenberry was terrible. So the Bills need to address the offensive line big time, tackle and guard. They need more depth. They need guys to get in there and compete for spots. They've got to address that immediately. They've still got to address the running back situation. The running back situation, while Devin Singletary came on a little bit and James Cook came on a little bit since he fumbled in the opening game against the Rams, the Bills still can't run the football. The Bills, I'm not saying that they need to turn into, you know, the the, the Packer power sweep here with Paul Horning and Jim Taylor or run it like Otto Graham and, and Paul Brown's Cleveland Browns. I'm not saying that. But good grief, you've got to have more than 63 yards rushing and you can't have your quarterback keep being the leading rusher in playoff games. I mean, enough is enough. The Bills had 63 yards of rushing. There were no threat on the ground. There was no complimentary football. 19 carries, bad weather, snow, blah, 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 right? The, the, the footing and tracking goes against the defense in that spot. The offense has the edge. Running back, well, Joe Mixon didn't have a problem. 105 yards on 20 carries and a touchdown. Didn't have a problem, right? Bengals ran it for 172 total yards. They got a little bit from Burrow, a little bit from Purine as well. The Bengals ran it down the Bills' throats as has been customary the last few years. The Bills cannot stop the run. The Bills cannot stop people on third down, right? They've got to figure out a way to change the defensive philosophy, maybe the safety situation, whatever the case may be. But the Bills, they can't stop anybody on third down. They can't tackle anybody on defense. They've got to figure out a way to correct that. Third down efficiency, 6 for 10, the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals went 31st downs to 18 for the Bills. 412 yards to 325. Right, I mean, this was a dominating game. Two for nine in terms of penalties for the Bengals. Two for only nine yards. Bills went eight penalties for 60 yards. The only turnover in the game was a Buffalo turnover. The Bills are exposed in so many areas. They need help on the O-line. They need help at running back. They need help probably a little bit of depth, maybe at linebacker. They need probably more guys up front. Right, They got to figure this whole thing out. Maybe you got to go get another cornerback because... Trey White right now is not Trey White, and Kyrie Elam was a rookie this year. They expected more out of him. He was not good. Uh, he took time to adapt to the zone. He had a great pick against Miami, but he didn't come on until late in the year, and then he was exposed in this game. Um, you know, Christian Benford, it's been noted that he's probably going to move to safety. But again, if you don't have Jordan Poyer, you got to go draft people. You know, is DeMar Hamlin going to play football again? We don't know. Obviously, his health is most important. If it means... If it's life-threatening for him to play, we don't want him to play. We want him to enjoy his life and, and, and go from there, maybe take on a role with the team, maybe you know go coach, whatever. But if it's safety, don't play. You know, 
If it's if your health is at risk, don't play. Uh, if doctors clear him and it seems like he can play football again, uh, you know, I, I guess Demar Hamlin is in there as a safety for you. Um, you've got Jaquan Johnson, right? You've got, um, you know, just a very, I, I guess, weak safety room. Uh, you know, Micah Hyde, is he going to be back? He was cleared to play the AFC title game if the Bills had beaten the Bengals. Um, does Micah Hyde have anything left in the tank? Does Jordan Poyer come back on a one-year deal? You know, I, I don't know, but these are all questions that have to be answered, and the Bills are are really, really hurting in those spots. The reason why I ask about Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde is because they've been the best safety tandem in the NFL for a few years running now, right? But they've played in this too-high system, and they're both getting older, and they're both getting really, really injured. They're both getting really, really injured, right? So between the age and the injuries, is it worth bringing back more than, you know, if Hyde can come back and give you a 75% Micah Hyde season, but Jordan Poyer is going to break your bank and he's 32 and he's probably going to get injured again next year and maybe Hyde will too. Is it worth it bringing them back and keeping that defensive philosophy? Or is it more now with who you have, is it more important to, you know, have a different defensive philosophy and maybe you take yourself out of a lot of that two man high and a lot of that zone and you mix in man with the zone more and the bills can go from there. Maybe, maybe that's where you need to be. Maybe you got to get rid of this zone crap because it just isn't working and you're giving too much cushion to Bengals and chiefs weapons. You are, you have been for the last couple of years. And frankly, they've been giving it to a lot of other teams too. regular season, postseason, wherever, right? Look at Waddle and Hill for the dolphins. I mean, it was like, I mean, could you give them any more five to seven yards? Here you go, just sling, boom. We're, we're going to stay back on our heels here. We're just going to prevent the big play, but we're going to keep giving up 10 to 15 yards all the time. And we're going to look up and go, oh, only four and a half minutes went by, and they just marched down 80 yards, touchdown. So maybe the defensive philosophy with the personnel you have, Kyrie Elam is a better man-to-man corner, better. He's not as good as in zone. He played man-to-man t- a ton in Flo- at Florida. You know, Kyrie Elam, you know, it was, it was, oh, day one, day one starter, day one starter. Day one. Not that simple. CNFL, not that simple. Systems, competition, video, not that simple. Christian Benford goes to safety. Maybe you've got Hamlin, Jaquan Johnson, and, and, and Benford, and you run with your corner spots, Dane Jackson, Kyrie Elam, you know, Trey White. Do you go in that way, in that direction? What about the coaching? I mean, is Leslie Frazier going to interview for jobs? I'll tell you what, what I would love. Leslie Frazier, maybe his time's up in Buffalo. Sean McDermott would never do this, but take take a demotion to defensive coordinator. You've done enough as head coach. Let's go win a ring with you at D.C. He'll never do it. But I'd love McDermott as the defensive coordinator. He doesn't worry have to worry about the big boy stuff in playoff games. And you go out and hire a big boy head coach in Sean Payton, who knows how to handle that stuff. McDermott will never do it. Again, McDermott's done great things. I just don't think he's an elite head coach. I think he's behind Zach Taylor. I think he's behind Andy Reid. He's definitely behind Kyle Shanahan. He's certainly behind Nick Sirianni. He's behind all these teams in the championship games. He might be ahead of some other people. You know, how he handled the stuff this year, the adversity and all the rest, and just his playing coaching, the success, breaking the drought, multiple division titles. You can win 12, 13 games a year. All those things have been great. The Bills being relevant again, it's been great. But when you get to a certain point in the playoffs, you hit the wall, and that wall says Bengals and Chiefs. And they've got to figure out a way. You know, Ken Dorsey, 
called a terrible game. There's no creativity. You know, I'm watching that 49er game, and I'm going, hmm, Christian McCaffrey. I, I mean, look, I, I saw both sides when he was available. I said to myself, eh, he's always injured. Got to be careful there. Right? He's always injured. The price was really high. Guy makes $16 million a year. You got to give up a ton of draft capital for a team that's got the Allen contract kicking in and all the rest. Is that worth it? Right? Is it worth it? I lean towards no, but I also saw the risk-reward. And now Christian McCaffrey is healthy, fully healthy for the first time in a long time. And he is a part of that San Francisco system with all that movement and all those interchangeable parts with him and Elijah Mitchell and George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Ayuk. That offense is superior to the Buffalo Bills. Coaching, playmakers, scheme, coordinator, head coach. It's another thing. Kyle Shannon's an offensive coach. Zach Taylor, offensive coach. Nick Sirianni, offensive coach. Andy Reid, offensive coach. McDermott, defensive coach. And I knew that that was going to be a problem for the Bills. I did. Conservative. Usually they're traditionally bad in terms of their in-game decision-making, right? Clock management. All that stuff. So the Bills, they got to evaluate a bunch of stuff. They really do. Uh, defensive philosophy. You need more help on, on the D-line. Von Miller's not going to be back for several months. You know? Um, safety position. You know, linebacker depth. Offensive line needs serious help. Production and depth. Need a running back. <laughs> you know? Got to support and get Allen. You need another wide receiver because what's working in that room uh, isn't consistent enough. You know, Stefan Diggs was tweeting like a madman as I record this last night. Uh you know, about his competitive fuel and all the rest. That's nice. But you can't scream at your quarterback on the sideline. I don't care if he screams at Dorsey, but, you know, waving your arms and acting like a, an ass, you know, your quarter to your quarterback uh, is unprofessional. So Minnesota Diggs came back a little bit. If anybody thinks for one, one second that Diva Diggs is still not in there somewhere, you're crazy. And I remember bringing it up to Kim Jones on a podcast months ago, and she kind of like answered with a little bit of attitude, like, Oh, I don't see that at all. And da, da, da. That won't happen. Really? Because even when Randy Moss and Terrell Owens were on their bad behavior, you just expected that they weren't going to act like pricks down the line or have, you know, their the way they, they go about their business. These guys don't change. <laughs> it's just a matter of when it comes back. And so that was uncalled for. Um, you know, again, I, I don't care if he goes banana land on uh, Ken Dorsey. I mean, please, who cares? Who cares, you know? Who cares? So a lot of holes, a lot of trouble spots. You know, you got to figure out contractually who's worth the money, who's not. Poyer, Singletary, Edmonds. You got guys coming up. Russo, Gabe Davis, Oliver. Disappointing finish to the year. I think if they had played and were really, really competitive and lost, you know, 33-30 to and the Bengals were just a little bit better at the end, they had the ball last whatever the case may be, and, and they lost, maybe this is a little bit easier to take. I don't know. I mean, is it easier to take here? You know, is it easier if they lose to Kansas City again? I don't know. The Bills were not competitive in this football game. And a lot of questions have to be answered. And this Super Bowl window, it's not shut, but it closed probably halfway and maybe a little bit more. So we'll see what the offseason brings. It's going to be a long one in Western New York.
Pandemonium Podcast, Mike Lindsley here, your host. Thanks for listening and, of course, following all of our platforms, social, digital, you name it. Go get us, follow, subscribe, download, rate, and review uh, the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network at builtinbuffalo underscore on Twitter. Give us that subscription uh, uh, on YouTube and, and like us all over the place. You'll see seven days of content. The beat goes on here in the offseason. We'll get geared up for the draft. We'll continue to talk about the remaining football games as we lead into the Super Bowl. And, of course... You can visit us online at builtinbuffalonews.com. I'm Mike Lindsley. Thank you again for listening to the Pandemonium Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. And as I always tell you, enjoy the games. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20.